This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teach Your Eyes podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher As Podcast will highlight innovative practices and uncommon parallels in education. In this episode, I talk to Dave Malkoff. Dave is a journalist, storyteller. He's a national correspondent for the Weather Channel, and his stories have been seen on NBC's Today Show, MSNBC, and NBC stations across the country. As his website says, he's traveled the world covering some of the most important stories of our time, including the Iraq War, Hurricane Katrina, Arctic climate change, and the private space industry. Recently, Dave has been producing and hosting several nationally broadcast science documentaries. I'm excited to share our chat with you. Enjoy. Thank you, Dave Malkoff, for coming on to The Teacher As to share everything that you do. Well, thanks for having me, Melissa. This is interesting to be on here. (laughs) So first of all, this is primarily a podcast for educators. So what would you like the teacher as listeners to know about you? Well, what I see myself as is a storyteller. And that is somebody who goes into complicated circumstances like teachers do and try to make sense of them for everybody. So you don't have to be somebody working on possibly like a wildfire or a big NASA event where where you're launching a satellite into space, something like that. Uh, you, can, you can just be the, the kid sitting in the classroom or the person sitting on the airplane right now with their headphones on. And, and you can understand this kind of thing no matter how complicated it is, it's kind of even a challenge that I think of. The more complicated something is, it's more of a challenge to make it palatable for everybody. Right. So making content, making what's going on understandable to everyone is what you do. Yeah. The world's a complicated place. So we try to make it a little more easy to understand by going into these actual events that you see all the time on the news and trying to talk to scientists and to people who are are working on the front lines of climate change and uh, and ask them hard questions if what they're doing is making a difference or uh, or what what we can do at home to make a difference ourselves. Right. And I'm going to ask you um, a little bit later on about your tips for interviewing. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah, you just brought up that interviewing piece. Inside Uh, baseball. Inside baseball. But (laughs) first of all, I really, again, teachers are listening and they have students in their class that might be a budding journalist or a budding reporter. Did you always love writing and research and being in front of the camera like you are now? You know what? I've, I've always been interested in the technology part of it and the communications part of it. I built a little radio station in my basement when I was in third grade or so and it actually wow. transmitted out to the neighborhood and so i would <laughs> i would host a radio show a podcast if you will and uh, and and transmit on an am frequency around the neighborhood and play songs and stuff and then this I, is I, this was in ohio right yes yeah in youngstown ohio and yes. and uh, and so i i did that for a while then i i built another 
TV station in my high school, in Liberty High School in near, near Youngstown, Ohio. And uh, they called it WLHS for Liberty High School. And then um, we did the morning announcements on there and we did like comedy sketches and stuff. And, and that, that was while I was working at the local TV station, running studio camera and doing graphics and things like that. Wow. So at the high school, obviously, when you were doing your third, you know, your your radio show on your own, you had voice and choice about what you what stories you told and what you covered. But at in the high school situation, were you able to make the decisions on what was, you know, what the content was? Not really. The, the, the content was mostly that the girls basketball game has been postponed till Wednesday. <laughs> so it's not a big, <laughs> it's not a big hard hitting breaking news story, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, you know, uh, so what we would do is just kind of read the announcements, but we were trying to make it fun. I had a, I had a monkey puppet that, um, <laughs> that would come on every Friday, Friday, Phil. And he was, he was very surly. <laughs> And and just angry to be there, and uh, and so so we would we would do those kind of things. We would we would do these um, videos on Friday, like a music video, and um, we would put the credits over that um, of all the people who had anchored the morning newscast. And I mean, I didn't know that other people wanted to do this at all. I thought it was like my goofy little thing that I wanted to do, and I put up a sign up sheet in the hallway, and then to my surprise. Tons of people signed up for it. They all wanted oh, to anchor the morning news. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So I would I would only actually anchor it when somebody didn't show up. So so mostly mostly I would be directing, right? Punching the buttons. Wow. So I, I know recently before I get into the interviewing and the writing tips that you might have for teachers, I have really been enjoying your documentaries, and I saw them on your website and started watching. I'm just completely enthralled by them. What started you, it sounds like you were directing way back in high school, but what started you to really understand the storytelling of like a documentary style? First, I was a producer in Columbus, Ohio, while I was going to school at OSU. And then uh, then I moved to being a reporter in Champaign, Illinois. And I, I think a lot of businesses are kind of like this, where when they're kind of craft based, where you you start doing something and you don't really know your own voice and you don't know how to tell a story. Um, I think I had I had a leg up because I was already working at a at a very respected television station, WBNS in Columbus, and it was kind of like journalism boot camp. I learned a lot more there than I did in my journalism classes to the point where I had to change my major to political science because <laughs> what they were teaching me in journalism class was different than what they were teaching me at work. So, uh, so I think I, I, I was there at a perfect time with, with some, with some great journalists who worked there and they taught me a lot about storytelling and, and about uh, how to make things uh, interesting to the, to the viewer, because it, it can't just be a fire hose of data. It, it needs to be a story involving people for people to actually latch on to these things and understand what you're talking about. So what are some of those storytelling tips that you learned? Oh, I mean, I went from the from the very early days, um, I, I learned about 
how to how to write with the with the most important stuff up top and always wrap it around the person that it's affecting and in no matter how complicated or technical a story is um say say you're doing a story about the i was just talking to somebody today about the james webb space telescope which should launch this year and it's the replacement for the uh the hubble space telescope but that is a very technical piece of equipment. But there are a lot of people who have been working on this project for a long time. And how do, how do those things, working on a project like that, affect those people emotionally? And if you can connect to what touches them emotionally, then you can touch the viewer as well with that same emotion of this is going to change the way that we look at ourselves as a species. Because as we look into deep space, we are going to see these hundreds and hundreds of exoplanets that we already know of and, and see evidence of life from, from the space telescope. You can see carbon dioxide being produced on some of these exoplanets in theory in the future when the, when the JWST is up there, you'd be able to detect the processes of life out there. So if you see carbon dioxide in the atmosphere of a planet that's several light years away um, or hundreds of light years away, then you know that there's only one process that makes that carbon dioxide. And, and that's an organic process, which seems very technical. But, but if you talk <laughs> to a scientist about that, it's emotional because right. it changes the way that we think of ourselves throughout human history. It kind of blows your mind. But I do wonder, you know, you mentioned that it's really about coming back to the people who are involved. So when you're interviewing, is that your main goal is to get to the to the human part of it? Oh, yeah. My, when but but I, I do kind of more a, a, a technical version of of interviewing than, say, a newspaper reporter or a magazine reporter would do or a podcaster would do, where I am looking for specific moments that I can put in the story. Um, and as a TV reporter, that's, that's what we're out trying to gather. We're trying to make these interviews actually as short as possible because we can't, we, in, because of our time constraints, we can't just go on forever because in some cases, the story may be airing in a few hours. So we, have, oh, to, we wow. have to kind of focus in on getting these uh, the, these elements that we need, but with an eye on making sure that you're telling the story that's actually happening and not the story that you thought was going to happen. Because I can't even think of an incident where I've gone out in, you know, as, as many years as I've been doing this since 94, really. I can't think of a moment where I've gone out on a story and I've and I've come back and it's been exactly what I thought it was going to be. Uh, it changes in some way and off, uh, in many times it changes radically from the point that you start digging into the story to the point that you actually air the story because there's so many things that you discover along this process and you have to be flexible and open to these things changing and to, to what, what you thought was happening being not the case or, or something completely being different than what you, than what you thought it was going to be. 
that's what you get from talking to the people who are actually affected by these stories. You get to, oh, it's not the way that, you know, this one newspaper article said it was because maybe they got it wrong or maybe they got different information. But if you talk to, often, if you track down the person that, that the tornado or the hurricane happened to, you can, you can find out what really happened from them and they'll have video or photographs of, of that happening. And, and that's, that's the exciting kind of private investigator work that goes into, into this type of journalism as well. It's fascinating. I'm doing a series right now on podcasting with students. And I'd love this year to be having my students start to interview people around town or you or whoever, you know, that they are interested in interviewing. And if they're, let's say, in a Zoom call, and should they be just recording the audio and then listening back and taking notes and then deciding what the story really is and the story, the, the through line or the theme or the big ideas logistically, how would you handle that if you're having to interview someone like on a zoom call, for instance? Oh, it, it's, it, there's, there's a, um, there's a great line from, from Werner Herzog who is the, the great documentarian, and, and he's quoted as saying, we're, we're storytellers, we're not garbage collectors. <laughs> and it, it, what that means is our goal is not to collect things that will be thrown out. Because a lot of, a lot of times when you think, wow, I'm doing a great interview, it lasted for three hours. That's garbage collecting because you're not getting to exactly what you need to get to. You're not keeping people on track while they're talking. Um, they may be going off onto these tangents that last 20 minutes or so, and that doesn't help you as a storyteller. You need to be the shepherd to keep people on task um, with the story that that you're trying to tell. But at the same time, you need to to if, if you need to be flexible as to where the story is going to go you need to um <laughs> it's a that's you, a fine yeah, line <laughs> yeah yeah so so it's it, it, there there's not you don't you don't want to create a situation where you're filling your narrative but you also don't want to create a situation where you're just creating a lot of uh video or audio that's going to be thrown out that being said, I, I, I collect a lot of video and, and that we don't use, but, um, but I try to keep it on task because if you're collecting so much stuff, it's going to take up a lot of space and it's going to be very difficult to log that interview, which is going back and actually listening to it, transcribing it and putting it on tape. When you do an interview, do you go off the cuff or do you have questions or like key ideas written down that you look at? Because that's another thing that I'm trying to figure out what to do with students. You know, well, you know yeah. what I would do? I, I instead instead of uh, focusing on doing Zoom interviews, I would go out to outside events with a uh, with, with a little pocket recorder. And you can you can use one that, that you get off of Amazon for 20 bucks. And just kind of rig it up in the way that 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 you're not getting a lot of wind noise on it, but um, but go out to where the people are doing the thing, 
because, well, when you're talking to somebody as they're doing their thing, they're more likely to be more demonstrative in their speaking than they would be if they're sitting down in an office somewhere with headphones on. That is a different kind of environment, and mentally it changes them to oh, I'm speaking on the radio now, and now I will. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's not as authentic. Yeah, if yeah. you have the clanging and 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 uh, and engine noise and stuff in the background of, say, you're talking to a to a, uh, a shrimp fisherman, and and you're you're on the boat with him, or you're on the dock, and 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 you hear the 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 ocean in the background, that's going to be way more engaging for the viewer because it's what we call natural sound, and I try to use as much of that as possible. The sound that's around you and it's very compelling when you bring somebody into that situation and you can hear and feel and sometimes smell what is going on around that person because you're in the environment that they're in so i would i would ask your students to just go out and get get a portable recorder it's the one that just records onto a, an sd card or micro sd card and um and record those interviews like that with people out in the field is that and, something is, is that something they could do with like the voice recorder on their iphone or would that not be good sound um I, there are attachments that you can get for the for the phone that uh that that make it a much better, more dynamic microphone, which looks yes. like a, a little lavalier microphone, but it has I've seen those, a yeah. quarter inch plug. And then, then, then you, you, uh, you put the, you put the stereo plug into the thing, or maybe you, they have ones that have a lightning version and, um, and you plug that right into your phone and the, the phone audio, that little tiny, pinprick of a of a hole in your phone is not going to be the greatest audio in the world it's going to be really bad yeah so what you want to do is put some sort of microphone on your on your phone and um and be able to to talk to people but that that's something you could just look up on amazon there's tons of those kinds of things yeah that that is the way to do it just use the sound recorder and just talk like that in the field. I, I just suggest the little audio recorder because you're not using your phone's battery and and you're actually recording to a card that you can pop out and, and put in your computer. Yeah, that sounds like a great. And if it's affordable, I could get a few and just, you know, I could like let kids loan it out for the weekend kind of thing if they don't want to buy it themselves, obviously. Yeah, but, those things um, are yeah. They're, they they could be as expensive as three hundred dollars for um, a a Zoom microphone, which is a a brand of of uh, of audio equipment that doesn't have anything to do with the uh, the teleconferencing Zoom. There are two different companies called Zoom, but uh, but there's there's <laughs> one that there's one that I use called the, called the uh, the Zoom F five and and um, and the F one as well. And uh, and I use those for uh, for field interviews and for gathering that sound. Like say we're say we're on a uh, glacier in in Iceland, and you want to get the sound of the water rushing down through the glacier being melted off. Well, you you're not going to want to get that with the camera because usually when you're on a glacier, the camera is quite small. But um, but you can get a big shotgun mic and get that right down into the the rushing water and you can get that sound and mix it in. And so there's uh, but those kind of things are a couple hundred bucks. But for what you're doing, it's going to be it's going to be a lot easier just to get the little plug in microphone. Yes. And 
but do you just have the questions in your brain or do you, you know, oh, yes, obviously, yeah. obviously interviewing is listening and, and having follow-up questions based on what the person says, but what would you tell students if you were with fourth graders right now and they're about to go out and do an interview, would you have them write like the key things they want to like key words, or would you just skip that and have them I, go off the cuff? I would have them not write down the questions because if you're, if you're writing down questions and you have a list of questions, you're, you're inherently not listening to the person who is talking. Your goal is to make sure that you say the next question perfectly. And you're, you're reading over the question. You're like, okay, all right, how am I going to say this? And then, Okay. Uh, all right. Now I'm going to read this question, and then you read the question. Then, then you're then you're immediately on to the next. That's that's a, that's always a rookie mistake that people make, that they're dealing with what their next question is instead of listening to the person and and coming up with the next question off the last answer. But um, you should also go into the story knowing your story. You should have done the research in the background and, and be curious enough about it to have at least a background of what this person does, or, or what, their, what their history with this process has been, and, uh, and, and what, they've, what they've done so far. And, uh, and so you know your story enough to be able to make points while you're asking these questions, I don't think I ever go into an interview with with uh, with written down questions. I think the only time that I would do that is if you had an interview with with a president or something like that, <laughs> some, somebody really important because and you only have ten minutes to talk to them. Um, that would be the only time that that I would do. But a lot a lot of times I'm just talking to people. Who um who are affected by a hurricane, or I'm talking to scientists who are working on different technologies, and I just focus on themselves and how they got into this and what fascinates them about this project. Whether you consciously use them or not, you sort of have some go-to questions depending on the type of interview. Is that a true statement? Yeah. I always start off by asking the person to tell me, and this is just me, this, 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 this is just a stylistic thing. And sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. I often ask somebody, tell me who you are and where we are right now. They'll say, hey, I'm Jim Watson and I'm a lobster farmer and we're out here in, in Portland, Maine, and, uh, and we're looking for lobster right now. And Sometimes I use that as an introduction to the person because I like people to introduce themselves. And sometimes, technically, in the middle of a story, if you want to introduce a new character, instead of just, this is just one trick, instead of uh, spending time you explaining who this person is, you can drop them right into the middle of a story, introduce themselves, introduce the location, and then just go from there. And it's a way to shorten your storytelling so you're not spending several seconds explaining where you are and and who this person is. Oh, I love that. That's such a great idea. Cool. Yeah, it's just a time <laughs> saver. I think I've probably learned that more from from like from like NPR and PRI podcast. A yes. lot of people do those kinds of things. Very and, stylistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they, they cut down on the time. And I used to do it all the time. I used to use it all the time. But you kind of fall into these stylistic ruts yourselves. I'm lo always looking for personal cliches. And if everybody's being introduced like that, 
then uh, <laughs> it's probably not best to to have every story sound like that. Right. What's your top three tips for students for both interviewing and then writing up that interview for them to then share it, <laughs> like what, transcript well, and all which, that? Which way? How are they going to share this? What 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 kind of format? On a podcast. On a podcast. Oh, yeah. So yeah. so sometimes they'll be getting audio, but sometimes they'll just be going and interviewing the custodian. Yeah, not necessarily getting audio. They might be just writing the answers. So do you think they should always do audio? Would that just make more sense? No, always. Yeah, always do audio. You don't you don't want to be you you don't want to be reading a newspaper report to somebody over a podcast. I would I I like the podcasts um, where they go out and talk to people like a radio lab kind of thing. But uh, but I also, you know, like the Shankar Vedantam type of interview where, where he's in a studio and it's it's like it's like a fresh air kind of interview that he does. And they have a mix of of outdoor and indoor kind of stuff. But it depends on which format you want to do. I'm more engaged with the type of podcast where they go out and produce a piece. And maybe that's just my own personal bias, because that's the kind of thing that I do. And and I feel that I get more out of a story when when I'm out there with the people in the field, even if it's just through my headphones, I, I get I get more of a personal touch of those stories. But I would always I would always suggest to, to people to be talking over some sort of audio recorder for for a podcast. It wouldn't just quote people. That's really where where I'm thinking the next steps are. Uh, we've only done six episodes and now I'm going to have a new batch of students. And what are we going to do this time? Some of the same stuff, but also let's get some investigative, you know, and some opinion pieces and and other things like that. So any top tips before we move on? Yeah, I would I wouldn't worry too much about about um about doing big stories or like breaking news on these things. I would literally I uh, go out and and uh, and talk to the, the cafeteria workers with with your audio recorder and just talk to anybody who works at the school, talk to somebody who's in the band or so every single person has a story to tell and you can build a story on anything. And once you get those foundations of how to get the sound, then you can deal with putting it together afterwards. And that's a whole nother process. Recently, I'm not sure if, if you're going to be using any kind of Adobe products to, to, uh, to put this together, but I've been using Premiere Pro since 2000. So that's 21 Do you, are years. Are you talking about the sound editing? For, for video, for, for, for video, which is, which is what I do. In some of the Adobe products, they actually have... A, and this is just within the past few weeks. They've launched a transcription uh, program where it goes up to the cloud. And by using an artificial intelligence called Adobe Sensei, they actually will transcribe every single thing the person says very accurately. And um, it, will, it will delineate between the different speakers and it will say this person said this this person said that and you can call copy that into a uh, word document and you can cut it up that way or you can cut it up within within premiere so that's a huge game changer for me so the people like students going forward won't have to do this thing where they um 
where they transcribe by hand these stories. Um, right, right. It, there's a website. There's a few. There's Otter AI and there's uh, Happy Scribe that do the transcriptions as well. But the Adobe, I know, I think you can do Zoom recording and you can get a transcript from Zoom or something. It's a new thing. Yeah, as, as long as it's time coded, as long as it has yes. the person said this at this time, then you can go back and edit that way. What I think of myself as is the glue to hold the story together. And I try to use as little glue as possible and just uh, <laughs> and, and have the people who are experiencing these things tell their story. And I'm just kind of the shepherd that moves things along and keeps them to the, the time limit that I have. And I'm not sure how, how long you're letting the kids go on on these stories. Right. But, um, you always want to have a time limit. That's probably a good tip story. You never want to have an open-ended thing where it could be three minutes or it could be 10 minutes. 10 minutes is, is way different than three minutes. And three <laughs> minutes is a long story. Right. But, uh, but I, I guess these types of podcasts where you're interviewing somebody and it's, it's just a long form sit down interview, those can go for hours as long as the person's interesting. Like if you're listening <laughs> to a Howard Stern interview, it, it could go for two hours and you would have no idea that you've been listening to this thing. Mark Marin, too. Is yes. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah. They, those types of sit down, long form discussions are a whole different kind of, of, uh, of storytelling. And you're not just telling one thing, but you're having a conversation. It sounds like the key for students to really be successful with interviewing is that it, they need to be interviewing someone that they're honestly, naturally curious about. So for instance, we have a new principal this year. I know they're going to be curious about learning about that new principal people they're really curious about and events they're really curious about. I think it's good to be curious about everything, but uh, you, you were saying that the talk to the principal and that kind of makes me smile because once you get up into talking to officials, uh, they tend to speak in a different, very, very guarded way. And, um, and you, don't, you don't get as much out of talking to a politician or an official who can't freely talk about things than you do talking to uh, maybe the cafeteria worker or or right. the basketball <laughs> team or somebody. And and it's 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 interesting when you get into these things and and you will do interviews with 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 officials, but um but that's not really where you want to focus. They can be short sound bites just to get kind of an official stance on something. But it's very rare when you get a, a, a really good emotional um, interview from officials. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, it would be just a getting to know our principal thing. But yeah, yeah. If you can talk to her about about her background and, and where she came from. And, and, uh, uh, and it's a it's a man, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you can talk to him about his background and and where he came from and uh, and his interest in education. Right. That's something that's interesting. But exactly. if you're going to talk about how are you going to spend the budget this no. year? No, oh my God, you're no. not going <laughs> to get much. <laughs> yeah, I don't think fourth graders are going to come up with those questions. <laughs> so what are you zooming in on right now in your work? Zooming in. 
Oh, I'm I'm the chief environmental correspondent. So it, it's a it's a wide umbrella that that covers all sorts of stuff. I mean, this is the biggest story of our time. And I say that because it encompasses everything on our planet. And uh, it's it's going to be something that we deal with as a species for generations and thousands of years. There is an amount of carbon in the atmosphere right now that we just kind of have to deal with. It's kind of a debt that, that we that we have to deal with. And, and it's there's going to be a certain amount of warming that we deal with. And is there any way to mitigate that? Or are, are there ways to um, to adapt to the new types of situations that we're going to have in the future? Is that through the weather channel that you're doing that work? Or are you doing a documentary? No, no. Everything that I, I'm I'm on staff at the Weather Channel, so so everything I do is for the Weather Channel and our climate partner, which is a a a social media arm of the Weather Channel called Pattern. I do half work for them and half work for the Weather Channel, and we do these long form pieces. And then I also do live reporting from big breaking news events like hurricanes. And so I've got like several different jobs that that I do, but it's all storytelling about the environment. Everything that I do comes back to how am I furthering this story and creating uh, relationships with people and organizations around the world so we can keep on telling these stories as, as the whole situation changes. That's fascinating. As we wrap up, before I ask you the last very important question. Yeah. How can people reach you? I know you have, I think it's DaveMalkoff.com, right? The, yeah, that's kind of my, my personal website that I, I, I put up just to, j- just to showcase some uh, storytelling and, and, uh, and just a little bit about me. I, I just started that um, back when, uh, when you could still make websites by hand through, um, through Notepad on the <laughs> windows <laughs> on windows you would actually write it out by hand recode it by hand and oh, i saw that right like right at the beginning of the web and like i kept on changing and changing but on social media i'm, I'm uh, at malkoff on twitter and then uh you can find me on facebook at dave news or just look up my name dave malkoff it's facebook.com slash dave news and then on instagram it's uh it's malkoff dave <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just try to mix it up there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'll have that on the episode page for this uh for this interview. On the so show notes. On the show notes. Well, yeah. it's funny cuz show notes I, I I have it on my website. I don't have it like in Apple Podcasts, you know. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here is the last question. What is your favorite movie and why? My favorite movie. Uh uh let me think. Um yeah. Here, here's it's gonna it's gonna seem kind of silly but um but the movie that i think of all the time and that my wife who's also a a uh, who's also a tv reporter always quote we never get through a day without quoting this movie is 1987's broadcast news oh yeah wasn't your uncle in that yes he was I, that's, yes. that's weird that you know that yeah, and and, uh, and it's it's not just because my uncle, who my son is actually named after, is, is yes. was was in that movie, playing kind of a big role in it, and it was yes. kind of neat. And um, so it's it's not just because of that, 
but it it is because I have watched every single movie and TV show about TV news. And the only one that still gets it right to this day mm. is uh, is broadcast news. It's so and good. It is. <laughs> it's because of the research that um, James L. Brooks did with uh, with CBS News and um, the person who's now the president of, of CBS News, who's who's known as Z, Susan Zarinsky. And uh, they spent a lot of time with her when she was a Washington producer and uh and she's actually the, the Holly Hunter character. Yeah. And so uh so they got everything so technically right 10 out of 10 on that movie and so it is good. just so perfect and uh just by watching that kind of lit a fire in me and going I want to be part of this world and uh it's it's great that I actually am now. It's really really neat. Bobby, 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 yes, Bobby, yeah, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. <laughs> you remember, that's the editor. Yeah. And there are so many moments where uh, where you have that moment where where you are just about to go on the air and the story is not done. You would you would be so amazed um, in watching NBC Nightly News, CBS Evening News, ABC World News tonight, where the story that you're watching was just finished. <laughs> and, and Joan Cusack running through the halls. Literally the, oh running the three-quarter inch tape and jumping oh. over people. And everybody's done that. You don't do that anymore because it's an upload kind of thing. Right. But I I mean, I, I've uploaded at the last minute as well. I mean, there was there was a time when when I was in Iraq and we were covering the, the last part of the Iraq war and there were dust storms. And so you would have to upload and upload and upload over and over again until oh. you got closer and closer to, to the evening <sighs> broadcast. And you're like, wow, this is going to barely make it. And it's the, it's the digital <sighs> version of running that tape through the newsroom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that's the perfect, perfect movie. And just so listeners know, what was your uncle's name? Peter Hackus, and he was a former NBC correspondent out of the Washington Bureau for a long time. And he covered a lot of space as well, yeah. but he did cover a lot of Washington politics. He was a correspondent, but he was part of that scene that happens at the end of the movie that happens in every newsroom where people get fired en masse. And um, he was looking for a job and they hired him to play the guy who fires everybody, I know. The, the president of the news division. But he's in that pivotal scene where he says to her, it must be great to be right all the time or something like that. Isn't that him? Yeah, yeah. Must must be tough to 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 be the smartest person in the room. And uh, and and she says, no, it's awful. Yeah. And, and they they did that take about uh, about 17 times or 20 times. Oh. I was I was recently listening to the to the audio commentary on that. And and uh, when she says, no, it's awful. James L. Brooks goes, take 17. <laughs> so, oh, my so gosh. They did, so they did it over and over and over again. Till oh, it's such it. a good scene. Yeah, but but oh. it was it was just you needed to get the emotion of that. Perfect. Yes. But um, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really, really great movie. And and even with the way that the business has changed. It is so still spot on to exactly the way television news is. 
Thank you so much, Dave, for everything. And I I hope to talk to you again, honestly, because I think you have a lot that you could help teachers with in terms of, you know, writing skills and this whole idea of researching. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Researching and listening. Thank you so much, Melissa. It was a pleasure. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. I would love for you to leave a review and a rating as well if you have time. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming In on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.